Father, we give nothing that we have not been given. Please accept this offering and tithes from us and use it, Lord, for the building of your kingdom, both here at Christ the King in Vero Beach and throughout the world. As your word tells us in Numbers, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, the whole earth will be filled with my glory. Lord, make it so. Make it so, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. And please remain standing for the reading of the scriptures. Please turn with me in your Bibles to the first chapter of the Gospel of John. We will be reading the first 14 verses, but we will be looking exclusively this morning at verse 14. The Word of our God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we praise you and we thank you that the word was made flesh, that God the Son was incarnate, and that through him you have accomplished our great salvation. Our Lord and our God, we pray that you would turn our hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ this morning and that we might love and glorify and adore him. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The inspired Apostle John opens his gospel by writing of the glory of the triune God. Here we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. As this Word was with God and was God, we know that He is truly God the Son the second person of the Holy Trinity. From eternity past, he was with God the Father and God the Spirit. And in the glory of triune fellowship, we see that he also was the creator. Through him, all things came into being. And without him, nothing was made. There is nothing that was made that did not have its origin in him. And this is the nature of the glorious God whom we serve, the Lord Jesus Christ. He was present in the beginning. 
in unapproachable light, in unfathomable joy, in perfect bliss, in the perfection of the triune fellowship of the Godhead. In him was life and life abundant. And this life was the light of men. And then John notes that this true light, which brings light to everyone, came into the world. And the world did not know him. But to those who believed in him, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born of God. And then in verse 14, John turns to give a glorious description of the incarnation of the Son of God. He writes, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And this is the first great point of this text. The Word became flesh. John begins with a great and glorious assertion that the Word was made flesh. This same one who was in the beginning, who was with God, who was God, this same one through whom all things were made, became flesh. And this is the glorious truth of the Incarnation. God the Son was manifest in the flesh, and God became man. Now the meaning of the phrase, the word became flesh, was debated for a long time in the early church. Some have understood this phrase to mean that the word ceased to be what he was and became what he was not. They believed that the word was changed into flesh so that he was no longer divine, but was only human. And this is not what this means. Some have speculated that in the incarnation, Somehow, God the Son gave up some of his divine attributes so that he was no longer infinite, eternal, omniscient, omnipotent. And this is not what this text says. This is not true because God cannot cease being God in any way. But what this phrase, the word became flesh, does mean is that the word continued to be what he was and he also became what he was not. It means that the Word, God the Son, while continuing to remain fully divine, also became fully human as well. Such that the Word possessed two natures, a divine nature and a human nature. And this is what this text teaches. The Word became flesh without ceasing to be the Word. He became fully man without ceasing to be fully God. So in saying the word became flesh, what John is saying is that God became man. God the Son became human. He united to himself a human nature such that forevermore he was fully God and fully man in one glorious person. And in this we have our salvation. In this we have our hope. God is not forever separated from his creation But he has joined himself to it in the incarnation. God became man and united himself with his people forever. No other religion, no other philosophy has anything approaching this grand mystery of God manifest in the flesh. 
of the Christian faith is built upon the fact that the transcendent, almighty God, the creator of the universe, took upon himself human flesh and became man. And this is the great truth of the incarnation of the person of Christ. In the incarnation, God became flesh. And we see this truth attested throughout the New Testament. Paul, writing in Philippians 2, states that Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. The Lord Jesus emptied himself by becoming flesh, by becoming man, and being born in the likeness of men. Likewise, Paul also notes in 1 Timothy 3.16, Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. The incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ, when God was manifest in the flesh, is called the great mystery of godliness. And this is a great and profound mystery, but one in which the glory of God is revealed. And in Romans 1 and chapter 9 as well, Paul explains how God was manifest in the flesh such that he descended from the people of Israel. He writes in chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, His son, who was descended from David, according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. And in Romans 9, verse 5, speaking of the Jews, he writes, To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. Throughout the New Testament, we see this truth that God the Son was manifest in human flesh. That God who is overall blessed forever, God the Son was born in human flesh of the lineage of David, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Judah. In Jesus Christ, God became man. And in this we see the magnificent condescension of God in coming down In becoming manifest among men, God the Son assumed human nature. And that is to say, from the position of highest authority, God the Son condescended to take to himself the nature of a creature. He humbled himself in the act of becoming man. He took to himself a nature that was less than his own and united it to himself. And in this great act, God became united with his creation. In one person, the Lord Jesus, we see the creator and the creature united. God the Son became fully God and fully man in one person. And as Jesus was fully God, so also was he truly man. He did not merely appear to be human. He truly and genuinely became man. He was made like us in every respect 
as we read in Hebrews 2. He bled, he wept, he had pain, he hungered, he had compassion, he was angry. Every true human emotion that can be felt, our Lord Jesus knew. But he was without sin. He was like us in every respect, save that he alone among men was without sin. As we read in Hebrews 4, he is the one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. The word became truly and fully human. He knew our life because he took it to himself. Thus, he was fully God and fully man in one glorious person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then John states that he dwelt among us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And this is the second great point of this text. God dwelt among us in human flesh. God was manifest in the flesh such that God dwelt among men. God walked with men. God talked with men. Men could look at the man Jesus and say, here is God. They could see his face. God dwelt among men. Now the word here for dwelt is the word for pitching his tent or making his tabernacle. And this is reminiscent of Israel's sojourn in the wilderness. When the Israelites wandered in the wilderness, God dwelt among them in the tabernacle. We read in Exodus 25 verse 8, God's command for the Israelites to build the tabernacle according to his word. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. The tabernacle was the place where God dwelt with his people. The tabernacle, the sanctuary, was built so that God could dwell in the midst of the people of Israel. And so also did God become incarnate in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that he could dwell in the midst of Of his people on earth. Christ came so that God would dwell perpetually with his people. When God the Son became incarnate, he dwelt with his people in such a way that he would never leave them or be separate from them. The incarnation of Christ means for us the glorious truth that God has his presence among us. As we read in Matthew 1, verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is with us forever in Christ Jesus. He has dwelt among us. And as he has dwelt among us, we beheld his glory. And this is the third great point of this text. In Christ, we beheld the very glory of God. In the incarnation, the glory of God was manifest as it had never been manifest before. In Christ, we see the very character and nature of God in his glory because we see the one who is himself, the Lord God. When God gave the law to his people Israel, he came to them in clouds of glory. We read in Exodus 24, verses 16 and 17, The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, 
and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called out to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. The Lord dwelt with Israel in glory, surrounded by clouds and fire. But when Moses asked for a direct view of the glory of God, he was forbidden. Moses could not see the full glory of God. Israel could not behold the full glory of God, but was permitted to see glory only hidden by clouds and flame. But in the Lord Jesus Christ, we truly behold the glory of God. In Christ, we see God's true nature, his true character, the the true attributes of God displayed before us. In the Lord Jesus Christ, we behold the very face of God. As the Lord Jesus is truly God, when he was manifest in the flesh, God's glory was manifest in human form. And we beheld the glory of God, the glory of the one who is from the beginning. The Lord Jesus truly possesses the very glory of God. In James chapter 2, verse 1, We read that the Lord Jesus is called the glory. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the glory. And in in Greek, it literally reads the glory, the Lord Jesus Christ, the glory. And this is a reference to the glory of God. The Lord Jesus possesses the glory of God himself. And thus we must ask, what is the nature of this glory of Christ? What is the glory that we behold in the word become flesh? The answer is that it is the glory of the only begotten son of the father. And this is the fourth point of this text. The glory of Christ was the glory of the father. Jesus Christ is the word, the image of God, the one who reveals the nature of the Father. And as such, he possesses the very glory of God himself perfectly. The glory of Jesus is the one, the glory of the one who is the only begotten of the Father. Now, what does this mean, only begotten, or in some translations, one and only Son? Well, it means that from eternity, God the Son was the Son of the Father. He was eternally begotten, meaning that the father was always the father of the son and the son was always the son of the father. For him to be eternally begotten meant that he was always reflecting the nature of his father completely and fully. Just as a human son reflects the nature of his father in many ways so that we say he is the very image of his father. Or the spitting image of his father. So also does Christ reflect the nature of his father. Fully, completely, and perfectly. For Jesus to be eternally begotten. Means that from all of eternity. He was God the son. And he was eternally reflecting the glory of the father. And this is what we read elsewhere in the New Testament. When it calls Christ the image of God. 
As Paul notes in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, the gospel demonstrates the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. In Colossians 1, verse 15, we read that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. This means that whoever sees Jesus, the image of God, sees God's him, God himself. Whoever beholds Christ, beholds God. All that God the Father is, all his nature, his character, his attributes, the Lord Jesus is as well. And as he is the only begotten Son of God, he is the one who reveals the nature of God fully. As he is the image of God, those who see his glory see that of the Father. As we read in John 14, Jesus told Philip, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And thus, in the Lord Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, we behold the very character, the very nature of God himself. As Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, who reveals the glory of God, we see the love of God in him. We see the holiness of God in him. We see the wisdom of God in Christ. The entirety of the divine character is present in the person of Jesus. In him we see the love of God manifest at the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And in 1 John 4 verses 9 and 10. In this the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ, we see God's character and nature truly revealed. The point of all of this is to say that the only begotten Son reveals the whole character of God. Jesus truly reveals who God is. His gracious, merciful, holy, and just character. And for this reason, John states that Christ is full of grace and truth. And this is the fifth point of this text. Christ displays the character of God as the one who is full of grace and truth. He demonstrates the love and faithfulness of God in all of its fullness. Now this phrase, grace and truth, is a translation of the Hebrew phrase chesed and emet which is often translated as steadfast love and faithfulness. This is a phrase that we see throughout the Old Testament. In Genesis 24, Abraham's servant prayed that the Lord might demonstrate his steadfast love and faithfulness by providing a wife for Isaac. When Jacob prepared to meet his brother Esau in Genesis 32, he remembered the steadfast love and faithfulness of the Lord that had already been demonstrated to him. And when the Lord revealed himself to Moses, we read, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This was a revelation of the character of Almighty God. 
And this steadfast love and faithfulness, here translated as grace and truth, are revealed in the person of Christ more than anywhere else. In the Old Covenant, God revealed that he was the one full of steadfast love and faithfulness. But in Christ, we see that fully revealed as he displayed the grace and truth of God. In Christ, we behold the very character of the God who graciously condescends to bring salvation to pitiful sinners. In Christ, we see the God who keeps his covenant promises. Before, we saw shadows of God's character, surrounded by clouds and flame. But in Christ, we see the true grace and truth of God, fully revealed. Before, God delivered Israel from bondage in Egypt. But in Christ, God has delivered us from death and sin itself. Before, God made a promise to his people. I will be your God and you will be my people. But in Christ, that promise is truly revealed as God comes and dwells among us in the flesh. The very great truth of this verse is that the Lord Jesus reveals the fullness of God's glory. In him, we see God. In him, we behold the very glory of God. In him, we see the fullness of Of divine majesty displayed. The fullness of God's gracious and merciful and holy character. And we behold this glory in no other place more than at the cross of Christ. God the Son was manifest in human flesh. In order that he might go to the cross and bear the sins of his people. He was born to die. He was born to die for sins. And he was born to die for our sins. How great is it that God became man so that he might die for men and reconcile them to God. In the cross of Christ, we see God's gracious character. As God himself becomes flesh and mercifully pays for our sins, the penalty that we deserved, he takes upon himself. We see the love of God as the Father sent the Son to die for our sins. And we see the wrath of God upon those sins as Christ takes that wrath upon himself. And thus we see the very holiness and love of God, the fullness of God's holy character manifest in the person and work of Jesus Christ. How wonderful is this? We serve a God who is not remote, but one who has become one with us. This is what we have celebrated so much over Christmas, that God himself came and dwelt among us. We worship a God who became manifest in human flesh and took upon himself our very humanity and who has died for our sins. What a great and glorious Lord we serve. And thus to those of you who trust in him, today I say to you, look to Christ. Look to your Savior. Look to the word made flesh. Look to the very God who has taken upon himself your nature. 
and died for your sins. Behold your Savior and your God. Look to Christ, the one who from eternity was present. The one who dwelt with God in eternity past. And look to the word who became flesh. Who knew your every temptation, every struggle, every difficulty. And yet was without sin. Look to your glorious Lord. For in him alone will you behold the face of God. Look to the one who is truly God and truly man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And to those of you who have never trusted in Christ, I urge you, look to him and believe in faith upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Are the cares of this life too great for you? Look to the God who became man and bore them. Is your guilt swallowing you up? Look to the one who bore the sins of men and died for those sins upon the cross. Look to the Lord Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh, and trust in him for your salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And thus to all this morning I say, look to Christ, God manifest in the flesh, the Savior and Lord of men. Let us therefore go forth in love and in worship to Christ Jesus the King, our Lord and our God. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we just thank you and we praise you that you have come and dwelt among us in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that you would turn our hearts to him truly and fully, in love and in worship and in adoration, and that by doing so, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we might glorify God the Father. We pray these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.